It has been a great joy to be with you, and I'll talk about that a little more in a minute. We've been talking about the healthy church. I do have it. Thank you. So God works with God. We remember we talked about this a long time. He wants us to come to completion, and He wants to build His church, and He defines God's church. We know what that is. Unbelievable. And makes room for change. I love that. And listens in time last week and pursues God. Hmm. Pursues God. Uh, let, me, let me just uh, say that I'm so pleased that Pastor Michelle is coming. There's seasons, and this is the end of a season, and it's right, and it's time, and it's perfect. And I'm so delighted that Pastor Michelle will soon be with you. She actually starts on July the 4th. She'll be with you, as we mentioned already. It was mentioned already July, July the 9th. Did you notice we sang the same song twice? I'm going to sing it another time. It's a, my, one of my favorite new songs. And so I just took some liberty on my last Sunday to sing whatever I wanted. I don't sing very well. But I, thought, I wanted you to sing it enough so you can worship God with it at the end. We're going to sing it. One, one more time. Uh, let me just say some thank yous. First of all, I want to thank uh, Carl and Kim Teeple for inviting me into their house and into their home. There's a difference and letting me have a wonderful place to stay. It was incredible. Uh, I certainly want to thank the board. Uh, they're expressing appreciation to me. I love these guys. I've never, I have never felt more welcomed or more loved in any church than I have by the board of this church. That speaks so well of you and of the church and of your future. Just amazing. And I do love these staff. These are, this is, they're great. They're young and vibrant and uh, full of life and almost dangerous. <laughs> and you want them that way. You want them that way, see? People talk about empowerment a little bit. It's a little, not the message. People talk about empowerment a little bit. Empowerment is, uh, don't, don't surprise me and don't make many mistakes. See, I don't think that's empowerment at all. Real empowerment is, please surprise me. And please make a few mistakes, because if you're not making a few mistakes, you're not risking. And if you're not risking, you're not reaching out for God. And this, let me say to you that this staff has not made many mistakes, but a few. But they continually surprise me with fresh thinking and godly passion and godly wisdom. It's amazing. And so, what a great privilege you've given this old guy to come back and work with a whole bunch of young people. Again, uh, let me get to the message. As I pondered this, I thought, what would I like to share? The last message is probably the most important message in my heart. This probably is the message I've tried to live more than any other throughout my entire Christian life of almost 50 years. 60 years. Oh, 60 years. Oh, my goodness. I am old. Uh, the ultimate pursuit. I want to talk to you about running hard after God. I, I want to talk to you about what I want for this church. I want to talk to you what I want for your pastor and your own life and what for my life. I think this is the heart of, once you come to know Jesus, I think this is the heart of the gospel. And there's this wonderful text in Peter that describes it. Here's what it says. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Let's pray for a moment. God, I thank you for your word always. Your word is so amazing. And, and, and I, love, I love how Peter summarizes some, an insight and a perspective that we might miss. And yet somehow it changes everything. And I pray you would help me to do justice to this text today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In the verses leading up to this, Peter summarizes salvation. 
he summarizes this, this whole picture of God in us. What does that look like? He talks about it as like it's a new birth. It talks about it as a living hope in us. It's a, an inheritance from God given to you and me, in, in us. It says that when you're in salvation, you're shielded by God's power. You have great rejoicing. There's some griefs along the way, but trials, but faith overcomes them. And that faith is not only bigger than the trials and the grief, but it's better than gold, he says. And, and if you really come to know Jesus, Peter says, that your life is filled with praise and glory and honor to him, love for him, belief in him. And that somehow in us is this unexplainable, inexpressible, and glorious joy because his salvation has touched our soul. And then he introduces us to a group of people which are very interesting. He actually introduces us to this group of people called prophets who were seeking for more. Now, I'm not going to take time to read the text again a little bit, but, but Paul, Peter, Peter highlights something profound. He highlights these people of the Old Testament. Now, listen, understand, minimum 400 years before Jesus, the last one would have spoken. So hundreds and hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus, he talks about these people of the Old Testament and how they were given messages and truth. So I just, I want you to think with me for a minute. Can you, can you imagine, can you imagine you wake up in the middle of the night and you have this thought in your head and you think, huh, is that God or too much falafel? Like, where did that come from? But it doesn't seem like me. I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know that I would know that. Or, or a season of seeking God because you've been tasted of the heavenly gift and you know that God is so good and, and you spend a season seeking God in the middle of it. You feel this whisper to your soul and you think, wow, that's profound, that's amazing. Oh God, that's so incredible. I couldn't know that. I couldn't think that on my own. I have no paradigm to think about that. that this has to be from you because it's bigger than me. Can you imagine can you imagine standing up and declaring the things you've heard and never seeing them come to pass? Can you imagine? Can you imagine standing up and declaring the things you've heard and people don't believe you? That's what they did. They had no frame of reference. But here's what we do know. We know some things. We know, for example, that their message was never about themselves. It was never about them. It was never focused on them. It was never self-serving. We know that their message was always about the future, and it always pointed to the Messiah. It also always pointed to Jesus. Always, always, always. Amazing. It was never complete. They never had the whole picture. They never understood it all. They never got it all. They just had partial pieces. And amazing, really. They often spoke in isolation. One prophet here, one prophet there, one separated by geography, separated by centuries sometimes. It was always in isolation. Always, always, always. And the truth is, they didn't understand much of what they said. Can you imagine? I'm declaring something. You need to hear this. really matters. In fact, it's so important. I'm going to put it in writing so we'll have it 600 and 800 years from now. And they have no idea what it means. Can you imagine? That's the prophets that we picture in the Old Testament. That's, that's who they are. And it always, it always, I don't want to miss this, it was always Christ-centered. Uh, an, an author that I appreciate, a man named Lenski, said this. 
The whole New Testament gospel rests on the Spirit's Old Testament testimony that was made through the Old Testament prophets, canceled their testimony, removed the basis of the gospel of Christ. Well, in all together, folks, there's over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. So how long have you got? <laughs> now, let me, I won't do all 300. I won't. But see, here's what I love about the prophecies. Even Jesus couldn't manipulate them. How many of you decided where you were going to be born? How many of you decided who your parents were going to be? Jesus couldn't do that any more than you. Couldn't decide country, culture, but the Holy Spirit was at work. And yet, hundreds of years before, it's prophesied. So let me, just, let me just share about 30 or 40. You know I can talk fast, right? Okay, so hang on to your hat. He will be the seed of a woman, the proper seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He would of the tribe of Judah. He'd be the heir to the throne of David. He will be born in Bethlehem. He was born of a virgin. His birth would be followed by the massacre of infants, all in the Old Testament. His, he would flee and, into and come out of Egypt. He would minister in Galilee. He would be called a prophet. He would be a priest after the order of Melchizedek, all Old Testament. He would be rejected by the Jews. He would have the Spirit of the Lord upon him. He would enter in Jerusalem in, a, in triumph, riding on a donkey. He'd be betrayed by a friend to be sold for 30 pieces of silver, and the silver would be used to buy a potter's field, all in the Old Testament. He would have false witnesses against him. He'd be silent before his accusers. He would be smitten and spat upon. He'd be hated without a cause. He would suffer vicariously. He'd be crucified with sinners. His hands and feet would be pierced. He'd be mocked and insulted. He'd be given gall and vinegar. He'd pray for his enemies. His side would be pierced. Soldiers would cast lots for his coats. He would not have a bone broken. bone broken. He'd be buried with the rich. He would rise again. He would ascend into heaven all told hundreds of years before. Don't tell me God doesn't have a plan. He spoke to the prophets. So minutely did they give the details. You can't miss Jesus. That's the purpose. That's why it was done. And, and, and here, here's, what this, here's what Peter says. They wanted more. The taste they had did not leave them full. It left them empty a little. They wanted more. They wanted the whole picture. They wanted to see it all. They, and so they began to pursue God. They're after God's heart. That's what they wanted. They just, so, so here's what it says. They earnestly sought to know more. So the prophets, the prophets seeked and te- searched intently and with the greatest care. Now, I, I, love, I love how the language works. There's an intensity in this word. There's an intensity about this searching. There's a plan and diligence and a passion about it. Now, you and I both know pursuits are common to all of us. All, as I, I got to be honest, as I was thinking about this message, I remembered a man in my church where I pastored once, and he had, a, he had a Porsche. He could really drive. He really liked to go fast. And one day he was actually driving down the highway, and a police car was chasing somebody for speeding. And he went by both of them. <laughs> and so the police car abandoned the first guy and chased him down and gave him a ticket. He was complaining about the ticket a little bit. And I'm thinking, well, that was a valid pursuit kind of, you know, really. <laughs> you know, all of us, all of us pursue all kinds of things. We pursue happiness and being cool and popularity and prestige and money and excellence and impact and truth. We pursue all kinds of things. 
And, and, and you know, really, it's not wrong to pursue security and contentment and happiness and meaning. Those, they're not wrong. It's not wrong to do that. It's not wrong to look for education and money, career, notoriety, notoriety adventure, interest, peace, relationships, and God. It's not wrong. Here's where it is wrong. Unless it becomes obsessive. Unless we give up ourselves to find the pursuit so we stop being us. It's not wrong unless it hurts others or we lose everything else. And sometimes it happens that we leave God out. And like the prophets of old, God does not want us distracted. He wants us to understand there's some key ingredients in life, something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. And all of that is found in Jesus. There's something about the mission of the church. There's something about loving the God who loves us. And there's something about knowing that this life is not everything. There's another one coming. That's all part of this pursuit that Brad Thor happens, happens to mention. Now, the, there's an urgency, as I mentioned it, but the word searched here says you can't be distracted. You've got you've to be pursuing this. And it was actually used in two different ways. It's not a casual pursuit. It was actually used, it's nothing held back, intensely passionate. I'm getting there. You'll find it in a minute. You ready? They searched, and it's used of a hound chasing prey. Huh. Or a miner after gold. That's so intently. That's the picture when the word search is used. That's the way it was translated in other places. So, you know, we, we understand. We understand the gold rush. The gold rush in 1949. How many remember 1849? Sorry, no, sorry. Um, on January the 24th in 1848, a man by the name of James Marshall was doing some work at a lumber mill. And as he, he noticed these shiny things in the water. And he didn't know what they were. And so he went to the owner, Sutter. Sutter's Mill, it was called. He went to the owner and said, I don't know what this is. So they went and had it tested. And it turned out to be gold. Wow. And so they said, oh, we better make sure. So they went actually to the land surveyor, and they managed to buy as much land as they could around that area because they wanted to keep it quiet. But the land surveyor, surveyor, I can't even say the word, the land surveyor they went to wouldn't keep it quiet and told everybody. As many, well, and once the word got out, my goodness, it became wonderful. As a matter of fact, it was so pronounced that the, 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 the president of the United States actually announced, James Polk, actually announced that they'd found gold in San Francisco. Well, I don't know if you heard this or not, but they call it gold rush or gold fever. And it became such a passion, it was unbelievable, that by 1849, 300,000 people showed up in San Francisco searching for gold. That's a little passion, don't you think? There's a little urgency going on there, a little desire here, a little, a little interest in how this is turning out. They were called the 49ers because most of them showed up in 1849. Just in passing, tens of billions of dollars in gold was taken out of that area in a very short time, and a few people became very rich. And lots of people did not. The picture here is this. How passionate is your pursuit of God? Is it like a miner after gold? Are you determined that you would leave all and sell all and go in a, in a chance of getting something more? That, that's the picture. And then the second word, use of the word is of a hound chasing I've never been a big hunter, really, and so I don't know a whole lot about having hounds. I understand that they work when people hunt deer and all the rest of it. But I do have a farmer friend, and he had a hound named Jack. 
Jack was the laziest dog I've ever met or known. The only time I've ever really seen Jack in action, if you left your car door open, he would instantly be in the car because he liked the plushness of the car seats. And he smelled like an outdoor dog. He smelled like a hound. Oh, my goodness. Every once in a while, there was kind of a back kitchen so you couldn't get in the house easily. Even then, if you left two doors open, he's in the house. Because comfort meant a lot to Jack. The only thing Jack really had about him which was unique is he hated cats with a passion. You know that dogs have servants and cats have masters. Uh, dogs have masters and cats have servants. You know that, right? Yeah, okay. Anyway, he hated cats. He just hated them. Well, my farmer friend had a corn stand. And one day, this limousine pulls up to the corn stand. And out of it gets an older lady with a stole around her shoulders. And for some reason, we don't know why, she has a Siamese cat with her on a leash. Well, Jack could smell a cat from 100 yards. All of a sudden, you could just, Jack, it was incredible. Just, Jack starts to sniff the air. And the next thing you know, he is in full hound mode. Arr, 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 and he takes off as high speed. And instantly, as soon as the cat hears the hound, the cat pulls and runs and pulls the leash out of her hand. And the next thing you know, here's the leash, the cat on the, the cat of the leash going around the corn stand. And Jack is in pursuit behind the cat. And the woman is in pursuit behind the cat. And the limousine driver is in the pursuit behind the woman. Dog, cat, woman. Ha and finally, the cat was smart enough to get up a tree. This hound chased it. My farmer friend went and got the, a ladder, put Jack in the barn, and went and got a ladder and helped the cat down and saved the cat. She never did buy any corn. <laughs> but that's the picture here. The picture here is so earnest, so real. The pursuit of God matters. It's like a miner after gold. It's a chasing after God. It's like a miner after gold. It's like, it's like a hound after prey. The prophets pursued God. And Peter asked us the question, are you? Am I? Do we have the same kind of passion? The same kind of intensity? And, and then there's another picture here. The ultimate searching for meaning. So the next picture here is a very interesting. Even angels walk in, long to look into these things. I, I don't really want to get a picture of an angel because I don't really know what they look like. So this, I hope you'll accept this facsimile here. I, have you ever wondered about angels? They appear to mostly be male. I'm not really sure. I do know this. The Bible says they surround the throne of God. The angels are caught in worship and adoration of God. The angels are messengers sent by God. The Bible actually says in, in Hebrews that it appears that we have more awareness, we don't have enough awareness, but we have more interaction with angels than we think that they actually look after us and care for us. And, and I, I've often wondered, I've often wondered in my life how many times God has delivered me, you too, right? But I've often wondered how many times he's protected us and we never even knew. Does that make sense to you? 
all kinds of things don't happen because God's already been there. He's already protected. He's already guarded. He's already, and angels may have a part of that. Here's, here's what I do know. I remember I was a new believer. This thing kept me so hard. When I came to faith, I was so excited to be a follower of Jesus. It was so amazing. And, and I was saved in a church that was a little bit negative. I'm sorry to say that, but it was a little narrow and a little rigid, and, and they, but they had testimony services, and I'm 18 years old, and God has filled my life, and I've come to know him, and I'm reading the Bible like it's the best thing I've ever read in my life, and it still is, and, and I'm reading the Bible, and I, I remember the first night after I gave my life to Jesus, I stayed up all night to read the Word, because then I realized that wasn't going to work for a long term, but it was so amazing, and when I'm reading the Bible, I ran across this verse in Luke. Have you noticed this? Do you know this verse? It says that, that when, Luke 15, verse 7 and verse 10. It says this, that when you and I gave our lives to Jesus, the angels in heaven had a party. I'm the only one excited about this. <laughs> do you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? You know, do you know the, let me say this again. When you gave your life to Jesus, the angels in heaven had a party. And I remember standing up in this kind of negative. I said, folks, you'll never guess what I read. I just read it this week. When I gave my life to Jesus two or three weeks ago, the angels in heaven had a party. Unbelievable. They didn't believe it either. <laughs> I believed it. I still believe it. But here's interesting, see? They're uncorrupted. They're true. They're benevolent. They're devout. Devout, if you want to express it, they're happy, they're good, they don't know want, their perceptions are holy, and their pleasure is God. But here's the thing. Salvation is a mystery to them. It's a mystery to them. Because they've never tasted sin, because they've never tasted sin, they don't know what grace is. And it intrigues them. And the word searched for them. It actually talks about the angels searching. And it's an interesting picture. I asked some men to help me. Where are all those men? I need you right now. Quick, 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 quick. Where are those men? I need six of you or so. You've got to come quick. So I want you to see this picture. It's an amazing picture. It's an amazing picture. Come on, row up here. Oh, no, up here. And just, just face the crowd. Stand in a nice line. This is, we didn't practice this ahead of time. So, nice and tight together. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay. So, have you ever gone to a parade and you're the shortest person on the side of the road? Are you guys awake today? <laughs> have you ever gone to a parade and you've got kids with you and they can't see? Okay, so... Here's what this says. This is, the, this, is the, this is the word. This is what it means. It says that the angels, it's a mystery. Salvation is a mystery. And it says that they're so intent about it that they search for it with an outstretched neck because it was the only way they could see. They stretched their neck to get above the crowd. They stretched their neck to understand. They stretched their neck so they could actually get an understanding. Thank you. You may sit down. Let's thank them. Salvation is such a mystery, and this stopped working. Bobby, can I get your help here? Salvation is such a mystery to them, because I do want it at the end for sure. Without, see the picture? There it is. Ah, there we go. With outstretched necks, they earnestly sought to understand something that we know every day. Angels pursued God. 
They wanted to know more. There's a longing. There's a longing in them to understand the one. Now, they haven't tasted it. So how do they know? Because they've seen what God did in your life. And they see what God does in mine. And they say, wow, that is so, grace is amazing, mercy is amazing. Whatever this is, I'd like to know more, 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 more. So like a miner after gold, like a hound after prey, like a prophet's asking for more, like an angel with an outstretched neck, how's your pursuit of God? You see, the first pursuit of your life? God's not against you pursuing other things. He just wants to be first because he knows that's what's best for us. And there's a little line in the middle of this verse. It's kind of stuck in the middle. It's the things that you have now been told by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Like the prophets, you and I are asked to pursue God in this thing called the gospel. Between the angels and the prophets is this gospel message. That's why you need to be part of a community, friends, because you're only growing your own, but the Bible says that we need one another. We need to grow together. That's why Pastor Michelle is coming. We need pastors and teachers and leaders so that we can grow in our pursuit of God. Because when we get that right, everything else falls into place. I tell you sincerely, that's the truth. It's why we have pastors. It's why we have gatherings. It's why we have church. I love church. I, can I be honest? When I'm not with you, I'll be in church. We go to church all the time because I love church. And I love sitting in my own church, in my own home church, and listening to my pastor preach the word and share God with me. And, and he just feeds my soul. And on the way home, Sheila and I do this all the time. What did you hear in the message today? What did God speak to you in the message today? What do we have to deal with today? What do we have to deal with this week? We talk about what we've heard. What did God say that's going to impact our lives this week? And you know what's amazing? He says something every week. Because God wants us to grow and be everything he wants us to be. It's amazing. Pastors. So how's your search going? Are you pursuing God like the prophets? Are you pursuing God like the hound? Are you pursuing God like the miner? Are you pursuing God like the angel? Think about it. You could grow in your understanding and knowledge of him. There's never ending. I've been doing this longer than most of you. I'm 77 years. I don't know how that many I am. I'm in pursuit of God. And the pursuit doesn't end. But you ready? Neither does the new ever end. Neither does the meaning and the learning ever end. This is the greatest pursuit you can do. It so fills you with what you know today. And there's always more. And I'm pretty convinced that's what heaven's about, really. When we get there, we're going to have, listen, I, I, I don't know if there's streets of gold, and I don't know if they're really mansions exactly like we described them. I'm not sure if I'm going to be really excited about Aunt Sally and Uncle Tom. I don't know. Here's what I do know. I'm going to be really excited about Jesus. And we're going to spend a long time, whatever time is in heaven, learning the wonder of the God who has saved us. And the more will become complete there. And we'll be fulfilled in him. Think about it. Think of it. A lifetime of commitment leads to a face-and-face -face encounter with God where we shall see him 
we shall be like him, for we'll see him as he is. Can I make a suggestion to you? I think this is a spiritual emergency in our day. I think it's a spiritual emergency in our day. This is my last message with you. I couldn't think of one I wanted to share with you more than this one. My prayer is that as we've shared the word and loved the word together and shared the spirit together, that somewhere along the way, some of us, some of you, have grown in your desire and passion to know God more. Because it does truly change everything. You see, a Christian's journey is a passion for God and the pursuit of Jesus. And God helps us because he gives us his spirit so that can happen. The power of the spirit steps into our lives and transforms us and changes us. One of my favorite books is a book written by a man named Calvin Miller. It kind of bothers me a little bit that a Southern Baptist had to write a good book on the Holy Spirit. It's called Loving God Up Close. But I just want to share, I could share the whole book with you. It's incredible. Here, here are just three things that he said about the Holy Spirit. Here and there I have visited a worship service where the ordinary Sunday words suddenly wrapped themselves in heavy expectancy. The air that had seemed immobile and dead began to stir. With a force unexplainable, it then flew at us and we became more than we were. The mystery hung all about us. Heavy, crushing things were lifted. Our reluctance to love God dissolved. We became more than we ever thought we could be. Our passion for God became a violent headwind, a whirlwind, a God-sent tornado of force. The Spirit came with an invisible force, both glorious and transforming. How many of you have known that at one point in your life? Don't you want more? So I want. I love it. He says this, the most obvious sign of health. Remember talking about church health? The most obvious sign of health in the church is when God is alive at the center of a loving community warmed by the fires of the Holy Spirit. And my favorite quote in the book is this. I've often felt this breath of God and to know it even for a single second is to crave it forever. That's been my experience, friends. A long time ago, this young kid from Lanark, Ontario, was redeemed by the grace of God. And the Spirit of God touched his life and filled him and created a passion and a pursuit and a craving that has never ended to this day. I pray that's true of you. It's my heart's desire for you and for us. I pray I never lose that. I, was I will tell the story. I'm Pentecostal. This is a Pentecostal church. Um, when I got saved, I told my dad he needed to give his right heart to God or he would go to hell. He wasn't really excited about it. Neither the truth or the word or the way I did it. Not very wise. You, new believer, not smart. And I, my, shortly after my mom got saved and my younger sister got saved and I still have family outside the kingdom, more and more are there. But, but uh, my dad was one of those people that he knew everything about everybody he ever met. You ever know somebody like that? I used to be embarrassed about him in the store. We go to the store together, go to the cashier, and he would say, he would ask her questions. Do you like your job? How long have you been married? 
You happy with your marriage? You happy with your job? And, and I'd say, like, Dad, stop. He doesn't care. But they did care. They told him all the time. It was embarrassing. I, I just, and he was loud. He had a big, loud voice. He never had, didn't need a microphone. I, my dad would come into the store where I worked when I was a kid. I could tell he was in the store because I could hear him. I was embarrassed by them in so many, in so many ways. But he was raised, French was his first language. His mother was a Laroque. My mom was a Desjardins, her mom was a Cardinal. Moral, I don't know how the English family get in there. My grandfather get in somehow in this French family. So he speak, spoke, grew up speaking French as his first language until he was 12. And a man by the day, a young man named John came into our youth group. And, and he got saved. And he began to seek the Holy Spirit. Now we live 12 miles from the church. So about 18 kilometers for those of you, 17 maybe. So my dad would drive us to church, but he would never come. He just wouldn't come in. And so one night, John was really seeking God. And God filled him with his spirit. He spoke a language he'd never learned. It was amazing, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. And I recognized enough of the words from my high school French. He's speaking French. My dad would have known that. I don't know what you would do, but my dad's in the car, and I got a guy who's never learned French in a technical program, and I just, what? He speak, What? So I don't know what you would have done, but I ran out to the car, and I got my dad out of the car, and I said, you've got to come with me, and you've got to come. You've got to come. And he just listened, and I got him two-thirds of the way down the aisle, and he stopped dead in his tracks, and he said, Bill, that's John. I said, I know. He said, Bill, he's speaking French. I said, I know. John had been at home many times. He he'd interviewed John. He'd interrogated John many times. He said, Bill, he doesn't know French. I said, I know. And an unconverted man at 56 began to interpret the language of the Spirit from a language that a man had never learned, and he glorified God in that language. True story, friends. True story. The next morning, my dad got up and said, I had a dream last night. That's all of the devil. You should, I'm never going to that church, and you shouldn't either. But the next Sunday, he got up and he had his suit on when he came out of his room. He drove us to the church. He dropped us off like always. But then the door opened, and in he came. He gave his life to Jesus and served God passionately for eight years before he died. Can I tell you the truth? We, we, don't, we don't need less of the Spirit. We need more of the Spirit. We didn't need less of God working in us. We need more of God working in us. We need the pursuit. I, I gotta share this with you. I gotta share it with you. Look, look at the pursuit. I, I wanna share this. Listen, the prophets tasted the truth of God. We have been invited to the banqueting table. The prophets knew of the Messiah. We know him personally. The prophets had bits of revelation. We have the complete revelation of God in the scriptures. The prophets anticipated what could be. We live with what has been accomplished. Thank God for Calvary. The angels see God's salvation. We receive God's salvation. The angels see the results of God's grace. We are the results of God's grace. The angels are amazed at God's work. We are God's work. Somebody ought to say amen to that. The angels long to know more. Are you ready? You can know as much as you desire. That's the message. 
That's the heart of this. Why? The pray for prophets and angels want more. We have more at our fingertips. It's already provided and waiting for us to ask, seek, and receive. And I'm almost done. Why would we pursue God? Why? Well, the answer's in our song today, because he pursued us. I love this song, God is Love. I said, can we sing this at the beginning? Can we sing it at the middle? Can we sing it at the end? God is love. That's why, folks, the reason we pursue him is not because we're amazing. It's not because we're profound. It's not even because we're godly. We pursue him because he pursued us. We love him because he first loved us. That's why. That's how it works. This is what I want for your new pastor when she comes. This is what I want for you with your new pastor when she comes. This is what I want you to want when your new pastor comes. Let's stand and sing this together.